There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Well, let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining us in spirit today is Centauri Miner. Helping us move from awareness to action is Mr. John Lane, the founder of Oso Brewery Restaurant, also the leader of happiness here. And we're at the uh, Paradise Valley location on a rainy Saturday, but the place is jammed. So welcome, John. Thanks thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Oso is Outrageous Homebrewers Social Outpost. Correct. Tell me about that. Well, how uh, the idea got started was uh, craft beer, just in general, and then uh, I was a home brewer. Um, had no intention of opening a brewery. However, it was the very last project I did in college, um, in my two in my small business course, um, was to how to how to open a brewery. Um, but <clears throat> found we were getting ready to open a little craft beer bar and found a spot that had more space, and we thought, well, hell, let's try it. And next thing we knew, we were pretty all in on the brewing and then we uh, found another location and another location and another location and just kept kind of going with the brew brewing so and that's how it all works out i mean you know businesses sometimes they're planned completely and sometimes you fall into different parts of them so got it and now it's been what what a year was that you opened the first one 2011 so it's been uh seven and a half years um almost coming up on actually eight will be pretty soon here um, th that we started the planning. Uh, it's just over seven that we actually opened. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we've got four locations. We grew a little faster than I thought we would. Mm -hmm. Um, and now it's time to slow down, kind of organize and then maybe do uh, one or two more, uh, maybe not no so, but maybe, or craft beer bar or something that's associated with that, that, that line of, of business. So. Got it. I like it. Um, so kind of in the heart of the recession, right? Obviously after 2008, 2011. Um, and today, or maybe last year, maybe maybe next year, it feels like it's the golden age of craft beer. And and now maybe even craft cocktails, which you guys are into. Do you think that you were right on the sort of the, 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 the front end of that? Certainly. And now sort of ridden the, ridden the wave up. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're going to start seeing the wave sort of crest here pretty soon. Um, not necessarily with uh, like your neighborhood brew pub, um, as long as there's a restaurant involved and there's you know that other piece. Um, but with breweries alone that are just tap houses and, and stuff like that, I think it's gonna get a little little bit thinner, might thin out a little bit, and then you know have another resurgence in a, in a few years. Um, but yeah, I do feel like 2011 was a great year to start. Um, you know, Four Peaks went through kind of when they first opened, went through sort of a little recession there in the late 90s where a lot of places, they kind of opened at the same time a lot of places were closing. Um, and it kind of worked for us. And we were the 35th license in the state. And now there's about 130, 35. Wow. Um, so this one, I believe, was somewhere in the, the Paradise Valley location was somewhere in like the 70s, high 70s, low 80s for licenses. So even since this opened three and a half years ago, is that right? Three and a half years, yeah, three and a half years ago. Um, you know, there's been another an additional... 60-ish breweries. So when you opened in 2011, you were the 35th license? Licensed brewery. So there, there had been previous ones. So there were at one time probably 25, and then they recessed. 
And then when I started to open, you know, several were opening at that point. Um, so the, so once again, the numbers were going up. Being the 35th license, that means the 35th active license. That's actually, okay, got yeah. it. Yep. Got it. And now 130-some. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Okay. So there is the origin story. And I, I was curious, that, that term origin story reminds me of superhero. Do you, do you like superheroes? Oh, yeah. you have a favorite superhero movie? You know, I don't know that I have a favorite because I like them all. Uh, there's well, I mean, outside even, outside of a few of the sequels or even the Superman and or prequels, movies. yeah, I was gonna say a few of those sequels are <laughs> pretty bad. Um, yeah, that, that that was kind of where I was exactly thinking, um, but no, but yeah, yeah, I do like most of them. So yeah, you know, the the story of origin, you know, a lot of things were just, you know, craft beer was always kind of a thing in my. I started one of my first trips to Europe was Belgium, and that was in the early '90s, um, and I was supposed to spend like a week. I ended up spending almost a month in Belgium. Mm. Um, I, I had the fortunate, um, I guess, a little bit more fortunate than some people that travel over there. I had, a, I had an apartment in Spain that was free. It was it was uh, family members, so I could use it and use it as a harbor spot to come and go from. Nice. So it allowed me to kind of screw around for a couple months instead of a couple weeks in Europe. Yeah. So. Got it. So Belgium. Yeah. And I still love those beers. They just don't love me. The yeast in them don't. Lo- I have a lot. I have a lot of yeast issues with allergies, hence why we opened the distillery. We did not plan to open a distillery at the beginning. That was just something that we were kind of a sidestep to the brewing because I started to have more and more, um, I'll say, allergic and sinus issues. Um, and now I know which one, what what yeast I don't what don't like me, and what high sugar beers don't love me, and. So I still drink a lot of beer. I just sure. had to figure out which ones weren't the best for me. Necessity breeds innovation. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like when I drink this beer, I feel awesome. When I drink this, I feel terrible. Terrible, yeah. I need well, to take this I, apart. And necessity, you know, I was like, okay, well, I got to drink something to make. So we opened a distillery because I knew that I could drink clean spirits because they have very residu- very low residual sugar outside of a few spirits. So, Got it. Now, I remember hearing that that you guys were going to be opening a distillery or going to try, and I remember hearing about that it was it was difficult to do. Why why was it was it difficult? Why was it difficult? So timing's a lot more difficult. Um, also, a lot of building safety and fire, and there's just a lot more involved in it. Um, one, the background checks way more, and you know I'm a little shady, so I was a little yeah, worried about that. For sure. Um, but, uh, but the background check was, uh, was definitely a, a lot more intense. They do 10 years. They called my ex-wife. They called, you know, they called former employers with beer. They kind of said, okay, you seem like a pretty good dude. Here's your license. Um, there's also a higher tax involved. So, you know, they, they regulated a lot more. Um, they, they actually come in and do inspections. Uh, the feds that is, um, I've never gotten a brewery inspection in any of my breweries by the feds. I've had two at my distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more money involved for them. There's uh, a lot more safety issues, you know. I mean, it's basically you're cooking a fuel. So yeah. fire doesn't love it um, for the city. Um, zoning doesn't love it unless you're in a high industrial, which we are not. We're in a, you know, typical commercial zoning. Um, so it was, it was definitely a challenge. And then, you know, fire was wrong on a few things that when I pointed it out, they didn't like that. So they got building safety involved. And then building safety basically said what, fire wanted me to do but building safety can rule anything without any rules or statutes um, fire has to follow the statutes so it was interesting but i learned a lot and and uh and i really like it i don't know that i'd do it again just because of the hurdles um 
and also the volume. It's uh, it's a distilling is a huge volume game, and uh, the big boys in distilling make the big boys in brewing look like a three-year-old's birthday party with clown noses and blow-up whistles. I, you know, it's it's a joke. Like if I get into a big account with liquor, the big boys come and make sure I'm out of that account in three to six months. If I get in the big account with beer, they kind of eh, whatever. They're gonna eventually fade out, and we'll we'll take back over. So, simply more, uh, it's a more difficult game. Got it. So if I'm sitting around drinking some light beer, I'm 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 jovial, versus I'm drinking whiskey and I'm gonna get in a fight. It's kinda, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad comparison. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, definitely. Uh, especially like, you know, if you take over, like, uh, say. Uh, like I got, I got a, a resort in town that has multiple locations, and in each resort they have you know multiple destinations to drink and dine. So I got their house vodka in a dozen-ish resorts. Inside of those, there's 50-ish out or five outlets each, let's say. So I got 60 restaurants. Within three months, I was out of every one by one. I was out of the all but the original one, because they do have a little leeway in what they keep at their specific resort. But as a Kamein Chan channel, like the resort, you know, higher ups decide, okay, well, somebody else gave us money or did something. I don't, I don't know what they did, but now you're out and they're in. Yeah. So, and I can't play those kind of games because I don't have the, you know, I don't, I didn't grow up with the, with the 20 million supporting me. I grew up with the right. 20 credit cards sure. trying to, trying to get this thing going. <laughs> Got it. So what would you say are the biggest Aside from that, that's certainly a huge one. So it's it's, it's a matter of of the <laughs> James. This is uh, this is today. This is also a uh, it's the family family fun time. I was about to say that it's a family podcast, but then I thought, well, this is going to make me look bad because I'm in a bar. But you know what? <laughs> F it. Got breweries are all family friendly. We're yeah. all family friendly. We're all pet friendly, or most of us are. So so we've got. James and and Giselle dancing around here. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, so you mentioned that that it's 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 the scale. So you have to make a ton of booze. Um, what are some of the other main differences between distilling alcohol uh, liquor and brewing beer? Would you say? You know, distilling alcohol actually it's more technical, but it's almost easier. Um, and technical is a bad word to use because brewing beer is very technical as well. Um, it, it's, it's, if you screw up a beer by a hair, it's pretty close. You can kind of, you know, it's so similar that you're not going to probably taste too much. If you screw up a batch of vodka by a hair, you can completely taste the difference from one to the other or a batch of whiskey one to the other. So it's a little bit more, um, you're trying to, you know, a lot of times you'll keep back part of a batch from previous to blend it in to make sure that that flavor mm. profile is constant whereas with beer it's always a new batch um granted once you get your recipe down you pretty much nail the same beer every time um in the in the outside business world beer is much easier it's, it's faster consumed it's easier to sell it's more readily accepted um you know at every place that you go to um liquor is more of a defined um, people find their brands that they define them by and they only carry three vodkas they don't carry 
15 IPAs, right. you know, or, or in, in, in contrast, you know, some places will carry 10 IPAs, 10 light beers, whatever it might be. So, so it's a very, um, finite sort of space. Um, and with that, a lot of the people as they grow either are purchased by another company if they grow too large. Most of the companies that are actually very large either start with a ton of money um, and a ton of past experience. A lot of times it's a family member of another distiller or winemaker, um, kind of kind of like the wine industry. So, Or the family has so much money that this is a, starts as a hobby, but because of the money that they're able to allocate to it, becomes a true, actual, viable business. Um, you know, there's a few that I can think of, like um, D-Petty. D-Petty no, no longer owns it. They sold it to Proximo, which is a huge company. But they started with millions and millions of dollars and created all of this brand. You know, started with the brand space, just blew it up. And they, you know, I, I'm sure they invested, let's say they invested 200 million. I don't know exactly. But I believe they sold for 800 million. Um, I could be off on those numbers as well. So, you know, it's, it's, at that point, it's a, it's a big boys game. And I, right. and we're not, a lot of the small guys aren't invited to that big boys game. In beer, it's a little bit different. I can, I can get into the big boys game pretty quick. And, you know, I can, I can, I can play poker with them all, all the time. And probably a lot of the times beat them. But spirits, just, just a little harder. It's different. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> as you were talking about, um, Walking me through that, I, I thought about how there's a UFC fighter named Conor McGregor. You're oh, yeah. aware of that person? Yeah. And he's just launched a new uh, whiskey. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought, well, that's that's interesting. I wonder what it would really take, especially in in Ireland, to compete with Jameson. But who knows? Marketing, marketing, marketing. Well, I mean, uh, what's the George Clooney and uh, Randy Gerber? Yeah, they uh, started their own tequila line and sold it for a billion dollars. Really? One billion. Oh. What's it, Casamigos? Casamigos, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, them. I mean, he was a nightclub promoter, and you know, so he could, he got it into all those to get the kind of word. And then once the money, they knew it was George Clooney behind it. I mean, it just, and it's good. I mean, they, they it's a quality product. That's another thing is you can't just stamp your name on something and put out a, right. put out a bag of turds. I mean, it's got to be good. <laughs> got it. So, all right. So, 2011... Today, you, you mentioned you have just opened in Gilbert, Arizona. Yep. Uh, so that's four locations? Four locations. My wife has a restaurant. And then in Gilbert, we have a separate restaurant as well. Okay. So, um, but yeah, four, three breweries, a distillery, and then two additional restaurants. Um, and, and all the breweries and, and the distillery have restaurants, large restaurants attached. Um, maybe, a t maybe a warehouse piece just to get some of the expensive equipment out of high-end rent and put it in low-end rent to actually make it more viable for, you know, that margin piece. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. We're happy with where they're at. We like to have the the brew systems in front of people so that they can see it, they can be interactive with it. At this store, Paradise Valley, it just so happened the day or the week that we opened, where we are sitting was a separate building. Where you are sitting... Um, was part of our building so we tore it down the week that we opened or we're, we're going to open and move the brewery over here the brewery was supposed to be a little tiny brewery directly below us huh well it turns out to have been a good decision I yeah, yeah yeah it worked well i mean 
You know, now we distribute because of this brewery. We started distributing through uh, through Young's Market all through Arizona. Um, does anybody want anything to eat? Speaking of restaurant, <laughs> um, yeah, we should probably get some. Maybe a, are you ready? You need a minute. <laughs> so we are a restaurant piece, you know. So you got to stop and make sure everybody's happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so but this brewery is in everybody's face, and we really wanted outrageous homebrewer social outpost. The whole idea was to, as homebrewers do, they brew with other people, they entertain other people, and they teach other people. Um, and no matter if we did a, a homebrewer size or a, a regular commercial 20 barrel size, we always wanted to entertain people, inform people, educate people, and have it be right at the forefront of our business. Moving this into this room kind of put that, like most breweries, a little bit, uh, put that a little bit further out of the way, so it didn't quite do what we wanted to, um, but it helped us, it allowed us to grow. Nice. So, so I mean, so much, so much new learning. I have to imagine, obviously, learn how to, 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 to obviously brew beer, brew a ton of beer, distribute beer, learn about uh, uh, spirits, distilling those, distributing everything we've been talking about. But then also the the real estate piece of it, learned about the employee piece of it. What would you say are, are the three biggest things that you've learned over the past three years? Um, Tough to boil that down sometimes, but... I would say number one is uh, your your team. Try your hardest to make them as happy as you can. Um, because if you don't, then they file in and out. They treat your customers terribly. Um, and they don't care. They don't, you know... When I, I don't give interviews for our staff members anymore, I just do managers, um, just because we have so many, we have over 500 uh, employees now. But I would ask, I don't ask your typical questions in an interview. I don't ask about their past jobs. I don't care what they did, I, you know. Waiting tables isn't that hard if, if you try, excuse the French, but uh, if you try, give a shit and care. Um, and uh, one of the questions, I ask positive negative questions. Um, a lot. I ask people generally three questions that are very positive, negative oriented. Um, those are three of the questions I, I intermix. Um, and if they answer, if they lead negative with one, maybe they're still hireable. If they lead negative with two out of the three, I don't hire them. I don't care how good their interview went. Um, because if they're not going to be positive in their attitude, right? then what are they going to do when I'm not here? Yeah. They're going to be negative in their attitude and negative in the staff space and negative in our, in our space. And, and positivity is probably the number one thing in our business. You got to stay up for sure because people beat you down in, in, in service. Um, not everybody, but a lot of people do. No so, doubt. um, so the team is probably number one, just, you know, trying to make sure that they're happy and positive. Number two, um, don't be afraid to make a mistake, but own up to it. Um, I think a lot of people make mistakes and then just put their feet in the dirt and stick as hard as they can to it. Um, even though they know in the back of their head that, boy, I screwed up. and But I can't can't announce it. I can't tell people that I screwed up. Um, like I tell people, our beer was terrible for the first year and a half. It was terrible. I hired the wrong brewer. I didn't, I didn't devote any time to it because I was too busy trying to open a business and operate a business. Right. And... I just pushed off that our beer was good. And um, I also had a lot of sinus issues, so I wasn't tasting well. Um, one of the first days after a sinus surgery, I made the brewer pour out eight of the 
no, I'm sorry, six of the eight beers he was fermenting. And then I also took off all but one, two beers, I think, one or two beers on tap, and I dumped them all. That was, in a monetary sense, that was probably about $20,000 at least. Um, but that $20,000 was killing my beer business. It was bad beer. It was people saying it was bad. So, you know, I had to own up to it. I had to just, and I told people, and I still tell people for years, like, number one thing, if you're going to be a brewery, hire somebody that knows what the heck they're doing. Because I was a home brewer, so I don't know how to commercially brew. Right. I mean, I do a little bit now, not as well as I, sure. as I definitely not back then. Um, and then three, I would say, you know, that's a combo of a lot of things, but, I, you know, it just depends on the time of year, what's going on. Um, you know, working, owning your own business, it's a nightmare at times. You got to be ready for it. And it affects your, your relationships and it affects your, it affects your personal life and it affects a lot of different things that you do. Um, it affects your money. Um, I mean, it would seem like I'm way ahead, but you know, because of after summer, just yesterday I used personal savings to buy another tank because I wanted to, and my partner wasn't too hip on the idea. So I said, well, I'm not going to use company money then I'm going to use my own money. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to piss off a partner. I don't want to piss off, you know, a, a, a coworker. So I'll just kind of do it on the side and if it works great, if it doesn't, then I'll sell it. Um, but you got to make tough decisions and sometimes they're not the right ones. And, you know, and that's, and that's for your family, for your business, for whatever. And, you know, it sucks, but you know, hopefully you learn every year a little bit more. Um, be open to learn. A lot of people just close down and won't learn anymore. And you get inundated with, uh, technology pieces and, and, and marketing pieces and advertising pieces and, and, you know, emails. Like I probably get 500 emails a day of which 200 of them are somewhat relevant that I have to go through, you know, and the other ones are pretty much basic junk. But, but if you're not open to like take that 30 minutes and just at least click into them and look at it, you miss a ton of stuff sometimes. Like I'm, I just clicked into one that's going to save, probably save me uh, $1,200 a year at each location. That's not a ton, but five grand over rather, a year. I'd rather have that than not. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's literally because I clicked, finally clicked through this one email that I'd gotten a few times. And I'm like, you know, why does this guy, I've told him no and no and no. Why does he keep sending it to me? Um, and then when I discovered what I could cut out based on what service he provided, it was like, oh my God, no brainer. Um, and definitely, you know, and, and that goes along with the technology piece. I'm terrible with technology, but I'm becoming better because I have to. It's the age. Um, everything. I mean, I'm thinking about putting kiosk, little kiosks at the front for feedback and to-go orders. Just so that way when you walk up, you don't have to deal with anything. I, I don't have to send you to the bar. I don't have to do anything. You can get your to-go order, stand out there with your kids, leave your kid in the car, whatever it is, go... You know, go have a beer at the back bar, not have to order through the bartender, already paid, comes up to the front desk right there and you're, you're done. Also, because I'm gonna put that in, I would put another caveat to it. I'd put two buttons on there that says to go order and the other one would said, please give us your feedback. Because a lot of people don't wanna talk to a manager until after they've left the building. Yeah. But if they can talk to a manager, basically, you know, a, a computer manager there, uh, pre-leaving the building while it's fresh, they might actually bring something up that, you know, saves me money, saves me time, creates a better, a safer environment, um, whatever that aspect might be. Um, 
tells me that a beer is off. And if I get instant feedback on that, then I can call and make sure that, hey guys, check this. You know, the customer didn't want to say anything. So, so it's interesting. I, there's every, I would say every probably three months, my idea of that third, fifth, seventh most important thing kind of slowly sort of shifts up and down. Right. So. Yeah, nice. I, I, I appreciate all those things. Having positive people is, it's gotta be key, you know? Um, the ability to, to own up to mistakes when we make them is, it's so hard for people to do. And I don't know if it's just, it's an, it's an unnatural thing for us, maybe. But if you can do it, I think, I mean, we all make mistakes. And if we just say, hey, I'm sorry, or hey, I screwed up, who, who, who doesn't appreciate that? And, you know, we do have a pot. Like, when I open a place, I'm like, hey, guys, like, treat everybody like it's your grandma or your, you know, your, your parents or whatever it might, whatever that one that touches you, like, you know, or your best friend when you're waiting on them. But also, if a customer gets to a point to where they're scolding you like they're your parents or whatever, please step, step aside, trade tables with your neighbor and just literally trade the table. Because it may just be the way that you communicate. A lot of times, our communication, a table may think that I'm a terrible person because I, I communicate poorly. Right. But it's just that I'm not communicating with them. So luckily, I, I'll say that most stores are pretty good about that. Um, right now, I'm working on one store in particular that's not as good at that. Like, I have a, you know, a few older people that have been there for a while, and they kind of take things a little too far into their hands sometimes. Um, but in general, they mean well. They just, you know, I don't know that they handle it the best but once again that's another challenge you know I, I give a lot of our our employees give up have a ton of freedom to do what they want if somebody has a bad a bad beer buy it for them if somebody has if they want to buy somebody that's brand new an appetizer go for it buy them an appetizer take care of them it's up to you um, because if you think that this per, these people are great if they've been great and sitting there for a while get them a dessert get them another get them another beer you know because this is a neighborhood this is a community and most of my patrons are probably within about a five mile radius you know obviously we get people from all over but um but if they're going to think of us one more time because you bought them a beer and 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 now they know your name and whatever then you know buying them beer is worth 10 beers for sure it's worth a thousand beers so yeah i love it <laughs> excellent so it's been again i'm going to keep going back to this it's been seven years all these locations and now in 2019, you, you've started this year, because um, I, I know that your philanthropy and, and giving back is an important thing. Yep. Uh, started a program of brewing a batch of beer or keg for a nonprofit. Tell us about that program. Okay, so so we, so we, we did it a few years ago, and then with our transition over the last nine months, um, from one brewery to another, we were, we were struggling to keep more than a couple of our own beers on tap. Um, just because we were moving tanks and, and it took about six months longer than I had hoped. Um, really three months truly, but by the time we set everything back up, about six months longer. So what we were doing is um, we do a brew every other month. Um, so it is uh, roughly um, 20 kegs um, that we devote a dollar from each keg um, to um, a local nonprofit. Um, now it kind of depends on the cost of that beer because some of them we make are crazy high costs so the yield will get lower so it's anywhere from about 15 kegs to 20 kegs but it is a dollar from every it just it depends on what we make like an ipa we're going to get about 18 kegs 
a big fruited beer with IPA, we're going to get about 16. You know, so so anyway, we, we donate the dollar. Um, we've done everything from shelters, um, dog shelters, um, to uh, homeless shelter, to cancer, um, to um, people in our industry that, you know, don't have a ton of uh, money or wherewithal. I provide uh, health insurance, but a lot of the smaller breweries just it's just not in the budget. They can't afford it. Um, so a lot of their employees don't have health insurance. Well, there's one lady in particular that we just did. The beer is, should be on tap. But I think, I think it's going to tap here tomorrow or the next day. It's called brute strength. Um, she had, uh, a, uh, a, uh, tumor in her brain. Um, she is a small business owner. She actually owns a brewery in Tucson called crooked tooth. Um, and you know, the money, she had insurance, but the money that she was going to lose, and they also had to hire somebody to work her position while she was gone. Um, she's been out now about four months. I think the goal is for her to slowly come back to work after about six months. Um, but she's still having some, from what I gather, and I haven't talked to her husband in, in about a month, still having some disorientation and you know some, some motion issues and stuff like that. So so we just wanted to help out. So we donated 4300 bucks. That was a dollar from each beer. Um, to a brewers, um, the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild, which holds a 501c3, um, so that they can then transfer it to people in need in our industry. Um, and we did another one for a traumatic brain injury that's got brewed, yes, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday. Um, and that young lady didn't have insurance when this happened. Um, so she's kind of struggling with some of her um, physical therapy issues. Uh, so we did that and, and we all come together, but a lot of us breweries do a lot of different charitable work, which I won't say it, it definitely doesn't go unnoticed, but I don't think a lot of people realize how much we get back to the community, how much breweries try to become a part of the community. Um, none of us grew up trying to think that we were going to get, you know, spanking rich off of brewing because we all know that the brew end of it isn't where you make the money a lot of times, unless you grow to an enormous size. Um, but it's something that's fun. It's community oriented. You get to drink beer, right? <laughs> and 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 it does make a good living. It makes a good honest living, you know. So, um, but yeah, but but the next one that we uh, we're, we're looking to do one with Stars AZ. Um, that is a um, an organization that uh, is basically it takes the mentally handicapped or or uh, I, I don't know the proper term, so maybe I'm saying that wrong, um, but. It helps develop programs for them, whether it be art or cooking, or um, sometimes they do, you know, every year they change sort of the programs. I think they do a computer program, uh, basic, just household stuff, um, to try and help these people become a little bit more independent. And I have an uncle that was in a place in in, uh, in Vegas and now is in a, in a home in, in Chicago that does that same type of thing. Um, he worked on city buses in Vegas through a, through a place called uh, Opportunity Village and he did a lot of different jobs and and uh, this when I found out about this just recently about I don't know a year ago um, I was kind of amazed that I'd never heard of it here so when we find good organizations it's great and, and we try and work with them we one focus has always been here is, is, is PAT organizations mm -hmm. um, we do give backs all the time for that that is not necessarily associated with this brew um, but we have generally about every other week we have a give back um, and at least once a month at each location, we have to give back. Awesome. Well, I think that's an incredible program to, 
to both highlight the organizations and obviously raise money for them. So I know that we talked about uh, doing a series of, of some live events this this, this coming year. Um, every time one of those beers is released, so anytime I get an opportunity to, to talk about a great cause and drink beer, I'm 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 always game. So well, we did, you know, and that's another. I forgot we do we. Do, we do so many of them. We just did one that I'm going to try and blow up next year. So in our industry, our industry is, has a much higher rate of suicide. We just did one uh, with the, the beer. His name was uh, was the National Suicide Hotline. It was 1-800-273. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to forget it right now. 8225. I, I don't know the number right off the top of my head. Is it this? Put it in the notes of the show. But, um, but anyway, we did it with them because... I've had, um, over the years, I've had about a dozen friends that unfortunately have, have, have gone, have taken their lives. And more, the majority of those worked in our industry. It's just a high um, suicide industry for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. It's not a ton of stress, but there is very stressful days. For sure. Um, but that's one next year I'm going to challenge a lot of the breweries to pick a beer. I don't care what the beer is. I don't care if it's already a beer they make and just rename it for the day and donate a dollar from each beer that they sell that day. Um, and this one isn't so much about the give back um, because it's not substantial enough to really make a dent in the national organization's budget. It's more about awareness. Yep. And I think a lot of things that we do aren't always about the money because we can't provide what that is. But if we can provide the community with awareness to that specific need or charity or, you know, unfortunately, suicide, then hopefully it will help save... Uh, um, you know, develop or grow somebody into a better place. No doubt. I love it. Awesome. Excellent. Well, John, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate you sharing your story. What else? What else would you like to share? You know, I didn't do a whole lot here. I can say I did. I I provided a, a space and um, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, a cool atmosphere, but. My team does all of it. I mean, everybody from our, our, our busboy to our to our waiter to our you know to to my management to they all take care of everything. I rarely even nowadays I don't even get that many phone calls. Um, you know, uh, they just know what to do. And luckily, I've brought on some very key people that have helped bring on tons of other tremendously key people. Um, without those few right decisions and those few positive people, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at. So I think, you know, knock on wood, I got pretty, pretty lucky with some good hires. And, uh, and hopefully those people feel the same way about the people they hired because we've got some fantastic people that work here. Awesome. A lot of hard work, a little bit of luck. Yeah. A lot of luck. Got it. <laughs> and the website is, is Oso Brewery. Osobrewery.com. Ohsobrewery.com, and I'll list that in the notes of the show as well as uh, all the different spots you can find us or find him rather. Thank you, John. Thank you. And until next time, keep questioning because the struggle is real. <laughs>